wir haben so vieles geschafft, wir schaffen das. Nobody can do it like me. Nobody. Yes, we can. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Which is why I alone can fix it. They promise, promote, proclaim populism propaganda on sale today. Make America great again. Make love, not walls. Yes, we can. Let's exit Brexit. A truth is what pleases. And you, will you keep your promises? Heaven on earth, nothing would compare. But are you more than just another voice? You leave, you die, you chose death, and then silence. You're gone. And we're alone again. But there's a sound of that voice. He's risen. He is risen. For generations, the glimmer of hope has not faded. You keep your word. Surpass your announcement. Different from what we expected. More than we could have imagined. You keep your promises. Hello from outside the Samsung Hall. I'm very happy to continue into our Hashtag Jesus 2019 series. In this series, we are looking at the seven big I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And these statements tell something about Jesus, his identity, and the reason why he came, the purpose of his life and death. And so it's very important that we look into this statements so we know more about Jesus. And so today we are looking into the statement in John 10, 9, where Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And doors have special functions. Doors' purpose is to demarcate rooms, the outside to the inside. Doors can be opened, doors can be closed, but to enter a room the door has to be open or at least you need to have the key that matches the door so you can enter a room and you can see what is behind the door. So this afternoon when you came to church you might have come here and you came already through a couple of doors. For instance the door here to the Samsung hall. So you enter this door and you had like a friendly welcome person like Henry greeting you and uh, saying hello to you and you entered into the foyer. You got access to everything that is here in this foyer. Information, books, CDs and oh, I can smell coffee. I mean, I might have tell you that I'm fasting coffee. So for the last five weeks, I have so many people asking me, Nick, are you surviving without coffee? And I must say, it's hard. It's hard. But two more weeks and then I will start drinking coffee again. So don't worry about me. I'm fine. But so you see, you came into these doors and this gave you access to everything that is happening in this hall. And then you continued your way and then another door and you entered the hall. And now you're sitting here with a couple of hundred people decided to worship God together, to hear about the Word of God, to experience God personally. You came through the door and the door gave you access to all of that. So a door is significant. A door is important. Doors help us enter into things and access things. So let me read this verse 
of Jesus in the Gospel of John in the context in John 10, 9 to 10. It says there, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So this is this big statement of Jesus in John 10 where he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. This is a rather absolute statement. And I don't know about you, but in nowadays, it's not so politically correct anymore to claim to be the only, the only door. I mean, there's so many different doors. Jesus didn't say, I am one possible door. And behind the door, you might possibly find what you need. No, Jesus said, I am the door. In some translation, it even says, I am the only door. It stresses that there's not multi-option here. Jesus came and made an absolute statement. I am the door to salvation. And you know, talking about these times where, you know, there's all different ways, there's all different religions. You know, there's, there's the vegan religion. You know the vegan religion? There's, all, there's, there's, there's the climate religion now. I mean, I, I'm, for, I'm for a good climate in my home. But you can make a religion of a lots of things, you know. And so there's so many different things, there's so many different religions. So who are you, Jesus, to tell that you are the only door? The, the interesting thing is that Jesus lived in a quite similar time. You know, he lived in this Roman Greek world where it was very much polytheistic, means lots of God, and even syncretistic. You know what that means? Mix and match. So you can take whatever you want, religion, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you mix it together. And if it's okay for you, it's okay for me. It just doesn't have to offend the state. And if this is so, no worries. So you know the statement of Jesus, even in his time, 2,000 years ago, was not very politically correct. On the side of the Romans. And it's the same today. Uh, I, have a, I have a quotation of Ravi Zacharias. Maybe you might know him. He's a, a, a very um, well-known Bible scholar. And he says the following when it comes to religion. He says, religions are superficially similar, but fundamentally different and not fundamentally similar and superficially different. Do you get that? So what he said is, it's not like, oh, you know, all the different religions, it's all the same. You know, they have a little bit different names or the, the door looks maybe a little bit different. But behind the door, it's the same thing. It's just people looking for the peace of mind and some find it here, some find it there. It doesn't matter. Just leave the people believe what they want. It's not that they are fundamentally similar. They're fundamentally different. Jesus is the only son of God who could make this claim, I am the door. 
And you know, when Jesus said that, not just the Roman Greeks were like thinking, who's that guy? But also the Pharisees, the Jews, they didn't like that. Why? Because with this statement, Jesus said, I am God. I'm the son of God. And the Pharisees, they were the ones that were leading the people religiously. And they were claiming to know who would be the Messiah. And now Jesus is coming and says, I am the door. And so wherever you see these statements in the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the light, I'm the bread, I'm the good shepherd, you see it like the Pharisees, they react to it. They don't like it. Because he's claiming something that they were claiming for themselves. To be the door and the way for the people. And you know, when I think about that, if you try to explain to someone that Jesus is the door, it's not so easy. It sounds not so logical. And to take the words of Paul, he was like a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he knew, like he... He, he lived during the time of Jesus. And when he was a Pharisee, he probably thought the same things like his colleagues about Jesus. And then later he got to know Jesus and in 1 Corinthians 1.18 he makes the following statement that is really a strong statement. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So what he says is like this message of this Jesus who is the door to salvation is foolishness. But then he continues, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And you know what? When it talks about the power of God, it's not something that you can explain. It's something that you need to experience. And so I thought tonight, I don't want to take too much time to argument about Jesus being the only door. I want to let the power of the testimony speak. And Jose is here and he will tell us a bit of his story. He will tell about the power of this encounter with this only door, Jesus. Listen to these words. Guten Abend miteinander. Hello everybody. On 11. September 1963 is der Militärputsch in Chile gewesen. On the 11th September of 1973 was the military putsch in Chile. Ich war elf Jahre alt. I was 11 years old. Viele Menschen wurden ermordet, verhaftet, verfolgt und in Konzentrationslagern gebracht. And many people were murdered, were persecuted, were taken to jail and taken to concentration camps. Zu dieser Zeit war mein Vater Politiker, Gewerkschaftsleiter und Mitglied des Widerstands in Chile. During this time, my father was a politician, a leader of one of the unions, and also an opponent to the government. Zwei Tage nach dem Putsch. And two days after the Putsch. Ist eine Militärpatrouille bei uns zu Hause eingetroffen. A military patrol came to our house. Es waren ungefähr 20 Soldaten. And there were about 20 soldiers. Sie suchten meinen Vater, sie wollten ihn umbringen, weil er gegen die Diktatur war. And they came to look for my father and they wanted to kill him because he was against the dictatorship. Ein Soldat richtete seine Waffe gegen ihn. So one of the soldiers put his gun towards him. Im gleichen Moment wachte meine Schwester auf. And at the same moment my little sister woke up. Sie hat so laut geschrien. And she screamed so loudly. Der Soldat fragte, wer ist das? 
that the soldier asked, who is that? Meine, meine Vater sagte, das ist meine Tochter, Alejandra. Sie my, ist krank, sie hat Autismus. My father said, that's my daughter, Alejandra, who's ill and has autism. Der Soldat segerte und sagte, nur wegen deiner Tochter lassen wir dich anleben. So the soldier said, only because of your daughter will we let you stay alive. Danach wurde mein Vater viele Jahre verfolgt. And thereafter my father was, uh, was pursued for many years. In Gefängnis gebracht und gefoltert. He was brought to prison and he was tortured. Die Situation für meine Familie war nicht so einfach, war extrahbar, nicht mehr ertragbar. And for my family the situation was not easy, it was actually not, we couldn't live this way anymore. Ich hasste diese Leute. Sie hatten so viel Leid in meine Familie gebracht. And I hated these people because they had brought so much suffering into my family. 1980 sind wir nach Montevideo, Uruguay ausgewandert. So in 1980 we emigrated then to Montevideo in Uruguay. Dort wohnte ein eines Kollegs, der Bruder eines Kollegs meines Vaters. There we knew the brother of a friend of my father who was living there. Er war Pastor in einer Freikirche. And he was a pastor in one of the free churches. Wir wohnten in seinem Haus, sieben Personen in einem Zimmer. So we lived in his house. We were seven people in one room. Ich besuchte die Gottesdienste. And I went to the church services. Und Jesus offenbarte mir seine Liebe mehr und mehr. And Jesus revealed his love to me more and more. Mir wurde bewusst, dass ich ein Sünder bin. I realized that I'm a sinner. Ein Retter brauche. That I need a savior. Um Befreiung von Hass. To be able to be liberated from this hate. Eines Tages. So one day. Habe ich mein Leben Jesus Christus gegeben. I gave my life over to Jesus Christ. Der Heilige Geist hat seine Liebe im erfülltes mit mein Herr mit seiner Liebe. And the Holy Spirit filled me up with His love. Ich konnte vergeben. I was able to forgive. Und wurde sofort von Hass befreit. And at that moment, I was liberated from all this hatred. Mein Vater, mein Vater sagte zu mir. And my father ja, asked me. Wie kannst du vergeben? How can you forgive? Wie kannst du wieder lieben? How can you love again? Nach, nach allem, was geschehen ist in Chile. After all of the things that happened in Chile. Viele Jahre später. And many years later. Hat mein Vater auch sein Leben Jesus Christus gegeben. My father also gave his life to Jesus Christ. Er konnte auch vergeben. He was able to forgive too. Durch die Liebe Jesus. Through Jesus' love. Ich bin der Erste in meiner Familie. I'm the first one in my family der Jesus Christus aufgenommen hat. who accepted Jesus Christ. Heutzutage but today sind es mehr als 40 Mitglieder von meiner Familie, die an Jesus Christus glauben. More than 40 members of my family believe in Jesus Christ. Nun bin ich 36 Jahre hier in der Schweiz. Now I've been in Switzerland for 36 years. Der Herr hat mir eine wunderbare Frau geschenkt. The Lord gave me a wonderful wife. Zwei tolle Kinder. Two amazing children die auch mit Jesus sind. who are also on the path with Jesus. Dank. Thank you very much. Come on, this is the power of the testimony. This is the power of Jesus who saves. And, you know, we all have a testimony to tell. So that's the thing that will show the people that we believe into a living God who makes a difference. When we go through this door, Jesus there's salvation waiting. It's the power. That's the power of the testimony. 
But then Jesus continues there. And in the second part of the verse, we read, uh, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out, in and out and find pasture. Now, what does that in and out mean? I mean, you enter the door, you get your salvation through Jesus, and then it probably doesn't mean that you're walking out of your salvation again and you're walking back into your salvation again. No, what it says here, it talks about freedom. It talks about this freedom that through the door you get access, you get access to God. Who's that? That's my daughter, Jamie. Hey, what are you doing? The door was open. Okay. What's for lunch? Yeah. What's for lunch? That's what happens. When my daughter comes home from, from school, that's exactly what happens. And I want you to, to get this picture. My daughter has access to our house all the time. She doesn't have to knock. She doesn't have to, to ring the bell or, or at least she has a key. And she enters. She has access. And the first question is, what's for lunch? Because she knows She's my daughter. She has access to everything in our house. And this is what Jesus says here. He says, what I am is I bring back the original purpose of creation onto this earth. How is this going? Remember, when God created man and woman in the garden... God and people had direct contact. There was no door needed. There was nothing separating God and man. We read that in Genesis 3, verse 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that. I imagine they are in the garden and in the cool of the day when God thought, okay, now the temperature is okay. He went down into the garden and looked for his people. And they had direct contact. That's the original purpose of creation is direct access into the presence of God. And then we know that things went wrong through the fall of man. People got expelled out of the garden. And we read the following, that the presence of God was closed from this moment on for the people. Genesis 3, 24. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim. That's an angel. And a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You see here on this door, this is a cherubim. They have animal body and a human face. These are angels and their role was guarding. They're guarding angels. And so from this moment on, where the people got expelled out of the garden, there were cherubim standing there and closing the access to the presence of God for the people. And for many, many centuries, this was the case. And then you might know that the people of God went onto a journey into the desert for 40 years. And in that time, God decided to come back with his presence into his people with the tabernacle. 
This was this tent. We see it here on the screen. Through the tabernacle, God decided to bring his presence back into the center of his people. But the holies of holies, you see here, was behind the curtain. Behind the curtain was the presence of God and only the high priest once a year could enter for the people into the presence. And listen what it says there in Exodus 26. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with carabine. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So we see, even though God decided to bring his presence back, there was still a barrier. There was still a guardian angel staying there so that the people couldn't get into the presence of God. And then after the tent, the tent got an upgrade and became a temple. When Solomon was there, he built a temple. We see it here, the temple in Jerusalem. And there also, there was a holies of holies. And there also, there was a curtain with cherubims. Even more than that, let us read in 1 Kings 6, 23. For the inner sanctuary, he made a pair of cherubim out of olive wood, each 10 cubits high. This is five meters. Five meters high. Now imagine... The high priest entering the holies of holies and there's two five meter angels looking at him with a sword. Man, I'm not so sure if I want to be a high priest. And so this fact gives weight to what Jesus said. Because when Jesus says, I'm the door, he says, I'm giving you access again into the presence of God. Full access, like Adam and Eve had. And that's why we read in Hebrews 10, 19 to 20, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. So when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was thrown from top down and the carabines were set aside. This is powerful. And this is what Jesus says with his door. He says, you're like my daughter. You're my daughter. You're my son. And you know, my daughter, she knows when she asks for a bread, I won't give her a stone. That's what Jesus says in Matthew. And if she asks for a fish, you like fish? Yes. She likes fish. Do I give you a snake? No, wouldn't you? Mm. Why would I give a snake to my daughter if she asks for a fish? And that's exactly what Jesus says here. He says, you're my daughter. You're my son. You have access into everything that I have. Ask and it will be given to you. This is powerful. You know, when Jesus said that, he opened a whole new dimension for the people who were used to have some kind of high priest doing stuff for them. And now suddenly Jesus says, I'm the door. Whoever comes through me will go in and out, in and out, in and out. Nothing stands between you and God anymore through the door of Jesus. Take this picture of my daughter. You know, because when he talks about we can come together like freely, 
Sometimes we think about the celebration, you know, and here we can come together freely. But it's much more than that. It's personal, direct access into the house of our Father, our Father in heaven, who has everything under control. This is amazing. I love that. And then it continues, and that's my last point. It says in John 10, 10, probably one of a very well-known verse that we love to quote. It says there, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know what this verse says? It spiritual battle is a reality, even beyond this door. You know, Jesus is the way to salvation. He's the way to freedom, but there is an enemy who tries to kill, steal, and destroy the life that we are allowed to access. And this spiritual battle is a reality. But God wants to give us life abundantly, abundantly. The Greek word there is perisos, and it means over and above the necessary, like over and above just what you need to live. God wants to give us the over and above, but the reality is there is an enemy. And this enemy will do everything he can to try to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And I pray that also through this series, we are aware of this spiritual battle and we are aware of this stand that we take between the enemy and life. There's a stand to be taken there in the spiritual realm. You know, God says we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against these spiritualities. We're, we're fighting against this spirit and there is a stand to be taken when we want to access this life. You know, as a church, we're just uh, finishing our 24-7 prayer. For the whole week, as a whole church, we prayed 24-7. It's finishing midnight tonight. Who was part of that? Yeah, there's some hands. I was part of it. You can hear it in my voice. I, I started really strong. On Monday, three hours with three different teams and we were outside and I got a cold. So that's why my voice is failing. But I love that, that we are a church who understands that when we proclaim through prayer, the Word of God, there's something happening. There's something happening. And you know, when I was praying, I really felt that this week is a week of change for many lives because people came together in unity, put their faith together and proclaimed the truth of God over situations. And this is how we fight our battles. This is how we take a stand between the enemy and life and say, we draw a line, we draw a line and we access the life that we have in Jesus. And you know why I, will, I was preparing this message? I had a clear impression to do something with all of you guys. And we're doing this the whole day with the whole church. We already did that this morning. I feel that we need to stand up for some very serious needs in our church. I'm talking about the sickness of, of Debbie Sita. You might know her, she's one of our worship leaders. She wrote a lot of the lyrics 
of many songs that we are singing together, Sunday by Sunday. 2012, she got diagnosed with a tumor in her uh, intestines and she got an operation and they could remove it. And from this moment on, all six months, she had to do like a routine control. And last year, 2018, uh, in one of these routine control, they found another tumor in her intestines. But more than that, they found a metastasis on her liver. And so from September last year, she did lots of chemotherapy and different therapies. And the goal was to get her operated in January so they can remove the tumor and remove the metastasis on the liver. And we talked about that in church. You might have been here when we, when we explained that. Unfortunately, she couldn't be operated in January because the treatment didn't give the results that was hoped. So the metastasis didn't go that back and it was too close to very uh, important um, parts of her body. And so they couldn't make that. And from this moment, like since the beginning of this year, she's going through very, very heavy uh, chemotherapies and different therapies. And you know, to be honest, uh, I, want, I want to make it clear, it's really a matter of life, life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And you know, when I was preparing that and I was talking about this, thinking about this, this life, I was like, how can it be that our main worship leader, who is raising up the flag and writes songs that is going around the world, is fighting death? And I was, it reminded me of a story in the Old Testament. The King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20. He was a king of Judah and he lived in a time where they got attacked by all kinds of enemies. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, whatever it's, there was. And so the people came together in the temple and they were afraid because they thought like, man, there's enemies everywhere. What are we going to do? And then a Levite got this impression by the Holy Spirit who said, don't be afraid. I will fight for you. And God gave them a strategy how to fight. And I want to read that in 2 Chronicles 20, 21. It says there, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. Hallelujah. Halal Yehovah means give praise to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves and they got beaten through prayer, through praise, through worship. And, you know, I thought, let's raise this banner. You know, I don't know how much you know about worship. Maybe for you, worship is just singing some songs or giving you the possibility to come a little bit later into the service. No, I don't want to offend anyone. But you know why worship is powerful? Because we're proclaiming the Word of God. And if we're proclaiming the Word of God, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we stand between life and death. If we raise the banner of worship and we tell 
God hallelujah praise be God we tell to God you are God and not my circumstances we stand into the gap and the enemy has to flee and so let us get to our feet and I want us to sing a song tonight before we sing for your battles because I know in a room like this there's lots of different battles and we will sing for your battles a little bit later but let us first sing over Debbie let us raise the banner of worship let us raise our sword of the Word of God over her life and we sing this song I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies that's what we want to do we want to raise our hallelujah over Debbie and we fight this battle with her and for her come on church let us raise our hallelujah let us raise our hallelujah to access this life God, I will trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain. I'm going to stand. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything else. Fear wants to shackle your potential and fear always wants to limit you. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder, when you are facing an area where you're super afraid, don't give up. 